The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Your words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. We've been waiting to start the show. And what a show we have for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is former FBI agent and SWAT commander. He founded the FBI's Behavioral Science Division. He's also the author of 12 books on body language. And his name is Joe Navarro. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our superfan shout-out is for Champ. Champ is from Dallas. Say hi to Champ, everybody. Hey, Champ. Howdy, Champ. How you doing, Champ? He's a friend of ours. And he sent us a nice uh, email um, that he's a big fan of the show, and we actually helped him out a little bit, so I am grateful <laughs> that Champ reached out. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And I would like to begin today's proceedings by asking the question, do you guys know what the hundredth monkey effect is? I do not. I have no idea. I do. You do. Philip? No clue. Okay, I'm going to explain the hundredth monkey effect to you. The hundredth monkey effect is a spontaneous transference of knowledge throughout a species once a certain number of individuals have learned a new idea or action. It bypasses physical barriers. It's a mind-to-mind jump, a leap of consciousness. You guys with me? Yes. Yeah. That's so, wild. Yeah. And just so you know, what? I know the monkey effect because I married you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much. Continue. Okay. Basically, if a hundred monkeys start to behave a certain way, that behavior will be transmitted to other monkeys miles away. Sort of like, you know, a subconscious transmission over the collective monkey consciousness. Okay. The idea came from Dr. Watson. No, not that one. The other one. <laughs> <laughs> who wrote about the studies of Japanese monkeys in his book, Life Tide. All right. Later, this phenomenon was used as a parable in the Ken Keyes Jr. book, The Hundredth Monkey. Basically, what it is, 
is these scientists, they were uh, primatologists. Primatologists are uh, scientists that study intelligent mammals that use Amazon Prime. What? Okay, I'm wrong. <laughs> they study primates, and they were on an island in Japan called Kojima. I hope I'm saying that right. Kojima. And they fed the monkeys sweet potatoes. Most of the scientists fed the monkeys sweet potatoes. There was, there was one guy there that fed the monkeys $300 toast. He was wearing tennis shorts. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh... Okay, so they gave the monkey the sweet potatoes, and they're not giving the monkeys menus. And like, would you care for the sweet potatoes today? They would throw the monkey, they would throw the sweet potatoes in the sand. And one monkey took the sweet potato, took it down to the water, and washed it off. That young monkey that did that was named Alex, and she was quoted as saying, these sweet potatoes are friggin' disgusting. Oh my gosh, Adam. I, you had to hold me back because that's, I'm that monkey. I know you. I, I don't like stuff. I have to wash it. I know. So I'm that monkey. I, I, do you hear me arguing with you? No. <laughs> Continue, please. I'd like to know how my story turns out. Okay. Well, you're, you're the one. You're, you're, you're monkey zero. You started this behavior. And the theory is that when a certain amount of monkeys... The hundredth monkey does it. It's automatically communicated over the collective consciousness of the monkeys. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. And this is how it works. The young first teach the contemporaries and immediate families who all benefit from the new behavior. And then they teach their contemporaries and their parents. And the monkeys that were too old to adopt the behavior never did. Those monkeys are usually found wearing a bathrobe and answer to the name Phil. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I just you picture know, him just... dropping a piece of toast on the floor, picking it up and eating it. Yeah, or, or, or trying to reheat the sweet potatoes in a plastic bowl <laughs> in the oven. <laughs> and then calling you. And then calling put me. <laughs> so that's the hundredth monkey uh, effect. Mm -hmm. If enough creatures exhibit a behavior, it is transmitted non-verbally to the entire species. And I would like to believe that because it means we're all together. The truth is, it's bullshit. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because it is. They found this guy named uh, Ron Amundsen published a book called The Skeptic Society and revealed several key points that were that demystifies this effect. One, the unsubstantiated claim that it was a sudden remarkable increase in the proportion of washers uh, and it spread over the population is bullshit because the study took place over years. They didn't tell you that. And the older monkeys that didn't do it, they died out. I, I do have to say mm -hmm. with my animals... Mm -hmm. I do see and feel like I communicate and see them communicating with each other. Okay. I do see that. That's good, guys. Just say yes. Don't excite her. No, it's true. <laughs> Just say yes, Mrs. Doolittle, because after this podcast, I'm going to have to have the conversation. For example, even in Russia, they have this thing. Now it's we're in Russia. We're having a conversation now. Okay, let's go. Even in Russia, this is really, I don't um, condone this, but mm -hmm. to get rid of mice, yeah. they hang a mouse by its tail with a nail mm -hmm. and it squeaks. Yeah. And then you have no more mice. Yeah. So what I'm saying My is. My great grandfather did that when someone owed him money. Never <laughs> happened again. <laughs> I hope they do not do that anymore. But right. what it proves is, and what I see day to day is that, yes, I can see the animals communicating. Mm -hmm. And even, even with the crow who gets the peanut, Mm -hmm. They found the place to crack the nut and it took them maybe about, and I watched them, mm -hmm. took maybe about a couple of weeks mm -hmm. and they figured out and then all the crows go to that same place to crack the nut now. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well that, you have proof. These people are full of shit and I'll tell you why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a theory that one of, the, one of the monkeys swam to the other island and showed the other monkeys. And, what? Yeah. The Come monkey swam to the other island and showed the other monkeys going, why are you eating it with sand and shit on it? Wash it off. <laughs> what are you, a friggin' animal? What's the matter with you? Smarten up. The, the control group didn't even have 100 monkeys in it. It just had 63 monkeys in it. So the 100 monkey syndrome couldn't work because they didn't even have 100 monkeys. Okay, l let's just break some bread here. Okay. Animals are smart. Mm -hmm. Smarter than maybe we think. Mm -hmm. And when something works, even in the animal kingdom... They stick with it mm -hmm. or they move towards it, mm -hmm. which I think human beings do, too. Yeah. I, I got to think that at some point, like people were eating raw meat and then somebody said, hey, I'm going to try this over the fire. And then that tasted better. And that just sort of caught on. Don't you think like way back, you know, Neanderthal, man, that's how that stuff spreads around. That and people dying of salmonella. I think, <laughs> look, I ate the dinosaur fresh from the kill. My stomach so bad. And I my uncle didn't even so make it home. He shit his pants and died on the trail. 
Yeah, when you eat sushi, you need that sushi chef who knows what they're doing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, Phil. So I have a question. Is this where monkey see, monkey do came yeah. from? Yeah, it's, it's observed That's where it behavior. From. That's where it came from. It's observed behavior. And yeah, then because that he, transcends into today, like social media, we see evidence of that. One person does something, the whole world does it. Whoever invented LOL, I, I'd like to hunt them down and kill them. Okay, <laughs> for that snowball rolling down the hill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Phil, you can choose not to participate. You know that, right? I, I have no choice. It's social media. LOL. Okay. Hold on one second. I just got I got to type something into my feed here. Phil, <laughs> the angry monkey. <laughs> the angry monkey. <laughs> Yeah, honey. Oh, I'm just Wouldn't saying. This kind of fold into the butterfly effect. Explain your theory. The, the butterfly effect is when you make a small change, it affects everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the butterfly flaps its wings in Singapore, mm -hmm. and there's a hurricane in, in the East Coast. Yeah. Like, there's an effect from everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Sounds like bullshit to me, too. So... <laughs> I just don't know see how that behavior communicates a reaction to other members of the group. Well, I know some things react. Like, for example, you see an Amazon box at the door. Mm. Oh, I get a reaction. Yeah, every friggin' time. So that's true. <laughs> you but hate all, Amazon boxes? No, I hate the fact of what the Amazon boxes cost. All right, that's what I hate. <laughs> they're not little smiley faces. They're, what are they, Adam, no, to they're, you? No, they're fucking mocking me is what they're doing. <laughs> Big smile on the face. She loves us more than you. you. You keep telling her not to bring us here, but here we are again, and you're going to pay for it. Well, I wanted this to be true. I wanted this uh, 100th monkey um, effect to be true because I, I wanted a proof of connection to people because I believe we are all one. It is debunked. But I will tell you this. In the, in the interview with Joe Navarro, he said that children that were born blind adopted a behavior that they never saw before. Oh, wow. Fascinating. You guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. The hundredth monkey story is actually misleading. In his book, Lifetide, Lyle Watson says, let us imagine for the purpose of argument the hundredth monkey uh, learned to wash the potatoes. Then all over Japan and all over the world, all the monkeys started doing it. He makes it clear that he's exaggerating. He's telling a story, let us suppose, for the purpose of argument, etc. Sounds like bullshit to me, too. So, <laughs> You are listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you will never get back. Liar! It's closer to an hour! Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well... Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.
I got some stand updates for you. Tomorrow, Friday, August 20th, and Saturday, August 21st, I will be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. August 28th, one night only, I'll be at the Hotel Solomar in San Diego. And September 24th and 25th, I will be at Flappers in Burbank, California. And as always, if you can make any of these gigs, please come up after the show and let me thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, go on, get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a former FBI special agent and supervisor in counterintelligence and behavioral assessment. He is one of the founding members of the FBI's Elite Behavioral Analysis Program and also served as a SWAT team commander. He's the author of 13 books, including The Dictionary of Body Language and Louder Than Words, which was voted by the Wall Street Journal as one of the six best business books to read. He's a regular contributor to Psychology Today. I saw his TED Talk and said, I really want to chat with this guy. So I am grateful he's made some time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is Joe Navarro. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Adam. It's good. It's good to finally meet you. Yes. Yes, it is. I thank you so much for the stuff you put online. Joe, I want to hear the whole story. I want to get into your origin story and everything. But I I pulled a quote from you I want to start off with uh, because I'm flying next week. And one of your quotes was ticket agents can often identify passengers who will become problematic by how they position their arms when they're at the counter. Next week, I'm flying, Joe, and people are batshit crazy. What am I looking for? <laughs> and if you read the front lines today, uh, it is kind of scary. Yeah. You know, the, the, the great thing about body language is that we, we telegraph a lot of information, and uh, we don't even realize mm-hmm. that we're telegraphing this information. I remember that quote is from the 1980s. I was um, doing some work with uh, the, uh, some folks at American Airlines, and they had asked me to come in and, and do some uh, training for them. And there was a gentleman there and he says, you know, most of the time we can we can foresee who the, 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 the problem individuals are because, you know, they're shifting back and forth. They're you know, they're they're looking about mm-hmm. They have this aggressive nature about their their, their face. And I and I, I think he's 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 right most of the time the the sentiments that we have are already oozing out of us and you know you're you're an actor mm-hmm. and and you and you know this i i remember there was a there was a line from um, a, a book on humphrey bogart and um and the the uh the, the guy that was writing it was talking about an old hollywood director and he said most most actors think that they need to act uh, and he was saying, you just need to think yeah. about what you're what you're feeling mm-hmm. and it's going to ooze out of you. So, yeah. OK, so I'm looking for a guy who's shifting around. Maybe he's got a cocktail <laughs> in his hand talking to someone that ain't there getting on the plane. Well, you know, now it's a little bit more complicated because, you know, now we're dealing with a lot of frustration. We're mm. dealing with a. Uh, uh, um, a, a lot of people that uh, I just saw the latest report where, you know, they're getting intoxicated even before they board the airplane. So you've already uh, had that. You've got, you know, it seems like every 10 years, uh, the space between the seats uh, gets smaller and smaller, smaller. So I, I think there's a lot of pent up uh, frustration. And I, I, I think you know, even in the last 20 years, I, I, I think the, the, the little trigger that sets people off has gotten a lot more sensitive than uh, than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I happen to agree with you. And a lot of it has to do with empathy, which I'm going to get to because I, I love that quote about yours as well. But I want to start at the beginning. Uh, you were born in Cuba and your family came here when you were about eight after the Bay of Pigs. I was fascinated. Did your father say, all right, that didn't work. Get in the boat. I mean, (laughs) yeah, my father said, okay, I, you know, uh, I fought against Batista. It's now time to fight against the next dictator. Uh, Fidel, uh, Fidel frowned on that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so my father had to flee for literally fled for his life through, through Venezuela. 
And then it was a, just a matter of, OK, this communist thing is not a happy time mm-hmm. and we needed to get out of Cuba. And, and uh, you know, obviously the, the, the closest uh, place, 86 miles away, was uh, was Florida. And, uh, you know, and at the time we were, I have to say, as refugees, we were very much welcomed in. But as with all refugees, one of the, the immediate struggles was, well, what about the language? Yeah. And, and for me as a child, um, especially because my parents had to go to work right away, um, I needed to rely on something. And I didn't understand what was being said in English, but I felt like the body language, I could rely on that. And so I, I, I anchored myself uh, to that. So that's like uh, you're a child, you're in, you're in, a, you're in a, a different country, you don't speak the mm-hmm. language, you have to adapt because you've always got to work. And right. you, is it a felt sense you had as a kid? Because you had no training, so it was just kind of an instinctual thing? or. Yeah, no, I think, you know, my mother would say I, I was always sensitive. I was mm-hmm. always observing. You know, we would be standing in line and I'd be hanging on to her. I was very clingy. Um, uh, not the image of an FBI agent, right? But I was, I was very shy. I was very clingy. And I, and I, I would say, you know, I think those people are upset with each other mm-hmm. and, um, and she would, you know, she's distracted by other things. So I, I think I was sensitive to it. Um, and then it was just a matter as, of, as I got older and older, to me, it became even more intriguing. Right. Um, you know, something I mentioned in, in the books one day, I, I look up and I'm and I'm saying, why are why are all these birds equidistant on that line? Mm-hmm. It's like, do they get a memo? Yeah. Do they get a memo? Say, OK, you will get three inches away from me, but no closer. Right. And and you look across that and you realize, wait a minute, that's not any different than I remember in Miami Beach after work, everybody would line up. And in New York, you get on the to get on the bus, everybody is uh, equidistant from mm-hmm. each other. And it, it just humans, became, you know, it's like for comedians, humans are a source of rich material. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually have, and I, I didn't cultivate it. It just kind of showed itself when I was on stage. Like if I'm working, doing some crowd work, I can yeah. kind of, without even thinking about it, because if you think about it, it doesn't work, zero yeah. in on what's happening in the relationship or what's, you know, the, uh, an emotional attitude that one spouse has towards another based on, I don't know if it's body language or instinct. I've just been doing it for so long, Joe, that many times they go, how did you know? You know, and, and I don't know how I know. I just kind of knew. Yeah. You know, well, it, it's you, you bring up something that, that's uh, significant, you know, in, in my latest book, uh, uh, Be Exceptional. Um, one of the things I note is great actors are great observers. Mm. You know, I look at at stage work and I think, you know, when you hear the term, you know, he didn't give me anything or that I got nothing from you. Mm. Well, what is that? It, this is about the body language. These are the, the, the nonverbals that's that says i'm in the moment i'm here with you and so forth and i and i think uh certainly with uh with the comedians uh that i've known over the years they look at the audience and the audience is definitely communicating back sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you can feel it i know the question you get a lot and i'm going to ask it now is how authentic is the nonverbal communication but it's a great question. Well, I, I, you know, it depends on, on what you call authenticity, because in everyday life, I think it's the most authentic thing that we do. Mm-hmm. When you hug a child, when you welcome a child, when you share love with someone, um, the, the, the ultimate uh, um, authority on, on the truthfulness of it is is the fact that you get something back they get something back mm-hmm. and and there's this positive energy now when we get into areas of you know you get up in front of a, a group of people and you give a prepared speech and and uh and, and things like that then it wavers but i think overall in all cultures um 
it is the primary means by which we communicate. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. And it's the primary means by which we show how genuinely we feel uh, 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 about each other. You know, I, I looked at, at the work of, um, uh, for instance, Captain Cook, when he arrived in the Pacific, Bernal Diaz, with the conquistadores when he mm -hmm. when he arrived in in uh, Mesoamerica now Mexico and uh Sir Richard Burton when he went into uh into Africa looking for the source of, of of the Nile when you read their accounts of body language you'd have no problem interpreting it today mm -hmm. there, there was just absolutely no difference in you know who was chief yeah. you knew you were whether you were welcomed or not yeah he had a big hat and a spear. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. If they're coming at you <laughs> with a club. Yeah. You know, Adam, we call that a clue. Sure. <laughs> well, you started. I mean, in do my research on you. This was not part of the FBI. I mean, you, you joined the FBI and you actually, you know, were one of the founders of this program. How did that happen? It was, you know, it was one of these things where uh, it, it happened by accident. I had been studying it for years. When I got into the Bureau, um, the, the Bureau was very formal, all about uh, collecting evidence and, and so forth. But there was a lot of misinformation about body language. You know, you had people who were just handing down information and saying, you know, if somebody touches their mouth, they're lying. If they touch their nose, they're lying. Well, this is, uh, you know, this is utter nonsense. And it's not so much that it was the Bureau's fault, is that if you look at the literature prior to 1978, when I entered into the Bureau, there might have been two or three books on body language. Right. There was there just wasn't much. And uh, and yet what we do in the bureau, uh, what we did, you know, our day to day work was we were, in essence, paid observers. And if you can decode behavior, decipher behavior, then you have an advantage. What I tried to do was to bring it into the fold and demonstrate its utility. And once I did within, within the Bureau, um, then I became the FBI's expert on, on body language. And that's how I um, was selected for this elite group you referred to called the Behavioral Analysis Program. You know, there were only, out of 12,000 agents, there were only six of us selected for it. Mm -hmm. My job was to further the science of how we use body language to decode criminal behavior. And so that's that's where I spent my 25 years. Now, how long before it was accepted? I mean, I'm sure a bunch of guys going, and Navarro's he's studying twitching. I don't know what he's doing. In there. He's got five other guys with him. <laughs> well, it wasn't just one guy. You, I mean, you had dinosaurs in the organization that, uh, you know, if, if it isn't hairs and fibers and it doesn't exist. Right. Um, there was a lot of pushback because, you know, I, I mean, I remember my supervisor saying to me, wait a minute, Joe, you're telling me <laughs> that you want to open up a case because the suspect cigarette shook when you mentioned the name of this guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what that's going to look like when I have to testify before Congress? Yes, Madam Senator, I allowed my agent to open an investigation on a shaking cigarette. And, and that's what I was up against. But once, you know, and I laugh at it now, but there was a lot of resistance. But mm -hmm. boy, I'll tell you what, when you get up on the stand and defense counsel is grilling you and you can turn to your notes and say, you know, I, your client was doing this and this and this every time I asked him a question, it, it just changed the dynamic completely because now I was bringing something into the equation that they hadn't seen before. Right. It wasn't just the words that my client said, it was the behaviors. You know, and when you sit there and you say, you know, when I asked your client, where were you last night? It's a simple question. And his jaw shifted completely to the left. Right. You know, it was telling me that this is creating an extreme amount of psychological discomfort 
And the question is why, if he says he's innocent, if he hasn't done anything, then the question is why? Yeah. So it's not like the body language is, is indicating deceit. It's discomfort. So it's not, it's, there's not a conclusion. It's a, it's, it's a place to look. Is that accurate? Exactly. There is no Pinocchio effect. Mm-hmm. What what it allowed me to do was then pursue that and say, you know, I'm not pursuing this just on a whim. I'm pursuing it because a simple question is creating a certain amount of distress. And, it, you know, if I if I mentioned the 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 name Sally Jones, mm-hmm. well, Sally Jones to you and to me doesn't mean a thing. But if it causes someone to, you know, do a hard swallow, begin to touch their neck or their lips disappear, then I have to wonder what is the weight of this name Yeah, that it causes so much uh, discomfort. So you're looking for, for the reaction. Exactly. Okay. Now, what, what the next logical question in my mind is what is a, a reaction, a, a most common reaction to someone uh, experiencing psychological discomfort? Where does it first register? Well, you, that's, a, that's a very good question. You know, we do, we touch ourselves all day long and I expect people and, and to And if you're Catholic, nervous. you're going to go blind, Joe. So <laughs> that's what they told me. You know, my dad had that little <laughs> conversation with me. And, uh, oh, sorry, we're doing the show. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, so, you know, people will touch their face. Uh, they'll ponder things by, uh, scratching their forehead and so forth. Mm -hmm. That's to be expected. You're being interviewed by an FBI agent. I expect you to rub your hands together and and stuff like that. But one of the things that we work on is calming the person down and just getting them to relax and to talk. And so what we're looking for is, uh, when a person is telling a story, But then we see these little spikes, Mm -hmm. these little red flags that said, you know, when I ask a very specific question, we have a behavior that we haven't seen before. And one of the examples I give in the the book, what everybody is saying was of this woman in Arizona who, unfortunately, her son was involved in a shooting. And I would go to visit her once a month as required by the bureau rules to check in and see if she's seen her fugitive uh, uh, son. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, when I, and I said, have you seen him? No, blah, blah, blah. No, no. And, you know, she was tense, but uh, everything was under control. But the minute I said, is it possible he's sneaking into the house or hiding in the house while you're gone during the day. And all Mm. of a sudden her hand went right up to her throat Mm. and she's grabbing her throat and so forth. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. The only difference now is I've mentioned the word home or being in the house. Mm. And um, to make a long story short, I asked her that three times, three times she did the same behavior and eventually she, she, you know, I asked her and I said, look, the government isn't going to go away. Yeah. I said, may I look inside the house? And sure enough, her son was, uh, was, was in, in the house. Mm-hmm. Now she didn't lie to, you know, she, in, in essence, you know, to the direct question, have you, have you, you know, have you seen her, uh, your son, um, she could dismiss that as, well, I haven't seen him today or right. I haven't seen morning or, or whatever but being in the house that was enough to uh, to initiate that, uh, that that response and um, and and what i learned was that it was pretty accurate yeah now and and the the gesture of going of, of touching your neck clutching the pearls you know kind of yeah thing. the clutch yeah in, in the literature you talk about clutching the pearl yeah this area of the of the neck you know in in so for years, as an amateur anthropologist and ethologist, I wonder, why do we do that? And then I started to think about 10, 15,000 years ago, uh, we were still surrounded by large felines. And what do, what do, what do they go for yeah. in the neck? Yeah. And, uh, and so even when people get bad, bad news, um, you, you'll often see them uh, touching their neck, covering their neck, which, by the way, the other behavior we have associated with large felines is 
watch what happens anytime there's a loud noise mm -hmm. or or we feel threatened is we freeze in place. Yeah. And the reason for that is so that we don't initiate the chase trip bite sequence that um, uh, all felines uh, will use. Uh, when they when they sense movement or running, they just chase. They I like chase the, I like the way you dressed it up. The, the chase seek bite sequence. I basically just shit my pants. That's what happens, <laughs> and I don't want to walk. But if but well, the, the thing that interesting. But Adam, is, I heard you also like to play dead sometimes. Yeah, play dead. <laughs> they won't hurt you if they think you're dead. Oh, just smell him. Move on. That's it. Well, that what you said about the innate reaction and it was uh yeah. what i was fascinated by in, in your ted talk you mentioned the behavior of children that were born blind yeah I, but please explain that because in my in, in my estimation now okay this isn't a learned response this is an eight this is in the dna exactly so in 1974 um i, I was I was just, you know, it, I, I was in between classes and and they said, you know, one of the things that you can do for extra credit is uh, you, you, you can uh, study children and write up their behavior of how they interact and how they get along and, 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 and stuff like that. And uh, and I thought, well, this is easy. You know, you, you just go there uh, with other students. You observe the the behavior of, of children at play. This was uh uh, at a camp. And, and I thought this, this is great. And you're learning to record behavior, but they had some blind uh, children there that they, they were born blind. And it just blew my mind because, you know, anytime we get bad news, notice how often we cover our eyes. Uh, we, we, we just, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm watching blind children communicating with each other and they cover their eyes when they hear something they don't like and they've never seen. And I thought to myself, this is millions of years old. This is, this is part of our paleo circuits. This has been with us for so long. It's in our DNA. Mm. It's hardwired. They've never seen this behavior. How could they possibly perform it? And that's when I began to look at what are the universal behaviors, because we see them. Um, there's a, a famous studies that, that have been done, for instance, with judoka, the, the people that practice judo. Mm -hmm. And um, and judo is a, a sport that, that blind people can can participate in. It's it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch because it's all tactile. But when they put them in first place, second place, and third place, their smiles reflect first place, second place, and third place in the same way that we see with those who can see. Mm. It's identically the same. And so we're talking about gradations. And then you realize, oh, my goodness, no wonder, no wonder the sailors, the ancient sailors, when they arrived in new ports, they were able to conduct business and transactions because these these nonverbals are uh, are universal. Yeah, that and that was just what what fascinated me. So, if I could ask you, what are yeah. the three big um, indicators that someone is under psychological distress? Not lying, but under psychological distress. I think the first one. I forget the name of the. Uh, between the oh, eyebrows. The, yeah, between the eyes, the, the, the furrowed glabella, it's the area be, between the eyes. Of course, in, in California, the, the, those are gone because they're Botox. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. so don't, don't bother looking there. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, you know, when I was teaching poker players, uh, I would tell them, hey, guys, ladies, Botox your whole face, yeah, because you're giving away so much information that you want to neutralize it. But yeah. I noticed Phil Hellmuth had some work done. I think he took your advice. <laughs> this I didn't even know. <laughs> uh, you know, Phil and I go uh, uh, go a, a, a long way back. Um, he's, he's taken my advice over the years, including by the way, that perch that he does where he yeah. just doesn't move hands under the um, chin. Yeah. Which is very effective because the, the human mind orients on movement. So mm -hmm. if you don't move, they just, uh, they just ignore you. But, but, uh, but to answer the question, so, uh, you know, number one, the first one we see with babies, 
by the third month is they be, they can furrow their glabella when you know they're uh, struggling with something and uh, mm-hmm. and we do it when when we're uh, anxious or worried and so forth. I, I think that the next one that I really uh, focus on is the, the disappearing of the lips. I, you know, you're familiar yeah. with my work and it's that lip compression. Mm-hmm. It's that um, all of a sudden, you know, somebody says something you don't like and those lips just instantly disappear. And it's like a thin line. And, um, and that, um, that uh, extreme uh, uh, lip compression. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that the, the third one is, um, the, the covering, as I said, the, the covering of the neck, the mm-hmm. supersternal notch, the, the grabbing of the, uh, the, the neck, uh, muscles and tissue. Those are probably, um, some of the easiest behaviors to observe, but mm-hmm. also some of the, uh, uh, most accurate. Yeah. And what you just did when you did the, uh, the neck thing, I did the neck thing. And that, that, that brings me to another quote of yours that I love that I, that I connected to my work too. And it's synchrony is harmony. We're engaging each other on a conscious and subconscious level. Joe, there's a thing in acting called follow the follower. If you want to be in agreement and it's just basically, you just, you don't, it's not even done in the words. You're you're mirroring the behavior of someone that, uh, that you're agreeing with, if that's your intention in that scene. So synchrony is harmony. We're engaging each other on a conscious and subconscious level. Can you, can you clarify that a little bit for me? Yeah, sure. You know, well, it's certainly in acting, um, you, you know that something is scripted and you're following each other. But um, I, for instance, in a stage presence, someone may decide because of the audience mm-hmm. or their mood, well, I'm going to elevate uh, uh, my, my sentiments. And then the, the other actor does the same thing. Um, I, I remember with with Pavarotti when 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 they did the the three tenors and uh, and uh, he was uh, he decided to go off on his uh, his own on O Sole Mio mm-hmm. and, and add all this uh, uh, drama to it and uh, uh, Jose uh, um, Carreras and, and and the other gentleman decided well you know we're going to do the same thing mm-hmm. synchrony is harmony they were not just singing, they were acting. And so it contributes to that. And, and a lot of times in life, for instance, um, you know, a spouse comes home and, and you're talking and, and you sense that, okay, now is not the time to joke. Now is not the time for this. Mm-hmm. Now it's the, now it's the time to, uh, to be empathetic. And this is where uh, uh, synchrony and harmony comes in. If you can be in synchrony that um, I, you know, I'm validating you, you're having a tough time, something happened today. And so by being in that emotional synchrony, I'm contributing to, 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 to harmony. Yeah. And I, and, and that's basically what it's, what it's about. And oftentimes in, in relationships, uh, whether personal or even at work, it's that lack of synchrony that uh that contributes to disharmony and um so that that's the importance of it yeah and the, it's also know the indicators you know of, of when you are out of sync like i know if i come home and my wife is upset all the plants will die <laughs> they yield oh yeah <laughs> even as i yield yeah uh Exactly right. Because what is the priority, which comes to this, you know, we often think, oh, you know, we tell our children or we tell our mates, uh, you know, settle down, whatever. And we don't realize that from an evolutionary standpoint, we have to we evolve to deal with emotions first and logic second. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's that simple. That's it. That's nope. and, and and the conditioned response and the trick. I'm Italian, so yell first, ask questions later. You know, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta fix that. But it's it's also empathy that I think that is being yeah. horribly diluted in society. The lack of empathy. You had a uh, there's a Carl Sagan quote you used that all we are is the influence we have over others, and without yeah. empathy, then then you you're an asshole. That would be the clinical term, yes. Adam. That would that would that encapsulates it. You you know it it it's 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 like this. 
you you cannot empathize mm-hmm. if you're not observing what are the needs and concerns and fears of others yeah. and that includes their emotional state and too many times we we say you know get out of my office stop crying <laughs> there's no crying in baseball sure. well as it turns out there is <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right and we deal with emotions first so that then we can deal with um with the business at hand just think for a moment you know how many times uh, for instance uh, somebody has struggled to come to your office. Maybe it's been raining. Maybe they got a ticket uh, because they parked in the wrong place. There's all sorts of, uh, of issues. So they come into your office and now they come the lo- they come with the luggage of life mm-hmm. and you know, they're pissed. They're sure. upset. You have to deal with that first. You know, as we're co- as people are coming back to work, I, I tell this to employers all the time gang you've got to give people time to vent and share the the collective stories they have about family they lost you know 500,000 yeah. 600,000 people have died yeah. there's some stories there and we have to deal with that first so that then we can deal with all the transactional stuff uh, uh, later and that's where empathy is so important that it prioritizes the emotions so that then we can attenuate that, validate it, and then go on. You have to prioritize this thing called uh, empathy. And now some people, you know, they, they said, well, you know what, uh, that's, uh, that's soft and stuff. Let me tell you something. I live, I live here outside of Tampa where a lot of the Navy SEALs are, are assigned because of CENTCOM. Mm-hmm. You have never seen so much empathy as the, the empathy that um, these uh, individuals, these warriors share f- for each other. And these are, these are tough individuals. Yeah. And yet they have tremendous empathy of, you know, hey, is your head in the game? You know, are you struggling today? Uh, you know, they're, they're extremely a- empathetic. Why? Because of unit cohesiveness. Yeah, their lives wow. are depending on each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's that that kind of reliance on somebody else and acceptance of somebody else and just the structure of in my head, like, look, all these variables that came up, what I'm trying to do, and I ask myself this question when I see stuff that pisses me off or something that I just want to hit with a hammer, I go, all right, yeah. there it is. How do I want to be in the face of it? What kind of man do I want to be in this context? Yeah. It, it you know, it, in the end, it's, it's, it's like, okay, how does that, how does Adam or Joe want to be viewed? Yeah. Because we can choose that. Sure. We can, we we can choose that. And, and some people say, well, you know, I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks. Well, that's interesting. But in the end, we can choose how we're perceived. Mm-hmm. And but that is by the choices that we make. Yeah. So we actually can take control of what other people think of us. And 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 that's an important factor. And I, you know, I remember a conversation with with this uh, young man one time. And, and, and I said, you know, he was working at a post. Uh, post office and he was just being nasty to everybody and i mm-hmm. said hey mike w- how do you want to be known yeah. as and he said nobody's ever asked me that and i, <laughs> I said well right now yeah <laughs> you know nobody likes you yeah mike yeah <laughs> well that's also it's like you can react to the the limitations of what is or accept what is and go behind i mean there's, there's certain there's limitations to just whatever whatever the circumstances are you know, yeah. and then if you accept those, then you can get that part out of your way and see what else is there for you. In this new um, paradigm of communication we have right now, a lot of it's this, Joe. A lot of this is video calls. So it's got to alter. What, what, what's some of the, the, the behavioral tips you can look for or give somebody to commu- when they're communicating in a video call like we are? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I'm glad you asked for this because, um, you know, uh, exactly a, a year ago, 
I was, I was inundated with, with calls from all these executives. Like I can't see people online. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't, I'm supposed to do due diligence and I I don't understand. I'm only seeing their faces and and so forth. I think the things to, to, to remember from all of this is all of a sudden we realize how important body language is. We're not in the same room anymore. Mm -hmm. And that, we really have this need to see each other and to see uh, uh, the, the body. N- number two is the fact that where normally our eyes can see all of the person and, and the room. Now we're focused into this uh, one little area and that our gestures, for instance, normally we would use gestures that are very broad mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, illustrative Um, we now have to reduce that to a little area in front of the screen so that as we explain things and they, and we illustrate things now it has to do within the range of, uh, of the camera. Um, the fact that simple things like lighting and I I've been a proponent of this for, for a long time. If you know, if you're in business, go out and buy yourself a decent microphone so that you can talk to uh, uh, other people and it doesn't drive them nuts yeah. with with uh, the, the the sound quality and and so forth. So there are there are things that uh, that we can do, and also remember that we still get gratification when we see each other, and like you do it and I do it. We smile a lot. We arch the eyebrows a lot for mm-hmm. emphasis. This is a powerful behavior. This is a gravity-defying behavior that says, I care. I'm interested. This is a, a strong point for me. Continue to use those, those facial gestures. Um, and, you know, something as simple as when you have somebody else joining you, just smile at them. Yeah, welcome them in. Welcome, welcome people in, even if it's yeah, non-verbally. Exactly. Make make yeah. be open. I mean, there was a great uh, quote. And I forget where I where I heard it, Joe. But a gentleman is someone that uh, makes others feel comfortable. I I've heard I, I've heard that one before, and there's there's there was another variant to, uh, of it, which which is what is the essence of being a gentleman, mm-hmm. and it's how they make you feel. Yeah, but I but I think all of us, it really is about how we make others feel when we welcome them into our house, when we work with someone else. Um, and, and, and also when we're in leadership positions, yeah. uh, I think we have a responsibility uh, to that, to, to make people feel comfortable and welcome. You know, nowadays we talk about in- inclusivity. I've always seen inclusivity as, Hey, you treat everybody nicely and decently. Yeah. And, uh, and that's as complicated as, as that needs to, uh, to, to get. Yeah. And I, and even when you said leadership, I steepled my hands because that's a, I noticed that Yeah, that was in what I was. In one... it, it, I'll tell you what'll blow your mind. Dad. The first time I saw a blind child, she was about seven years old and she's steepling steepling for those of you who are listening mm-hmm. is you you put your fingers together and it looks like the the, the a church steeple mm-hmm. and she's doing it to another blind child as she's saying no my birthday is this month yeah and that's the and, power move steepling is a power move yeah it's it's a it's it's the only behavior we have of of really of of uh, of confidence and here's this child who's never seen this behavior p- perform it. And I, I was just blown away by that. Yeah. I, yeah. That stuff. That's what fascinated me, Joe. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you. And I really, I want to thank you for making time for us today. And you have uh, an online course too, that people can take. Where can they get that? Yeah. If, if you come to uh, Joe Navarro.net, uh, my website, it'll have the online course and, and it's available. We've, we've had several hundred, uh, uh, people graduate from it all over the world. I will tell you, it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. tough. 
Um, but you really learn body language um, the way that I like to teach it, which is if you understand what the underpinnings are of why we do the things that we do, you'll be able to understand people better and you'll be able to communicate more effectively and you'll be infinitely more uh, empathetic. Yeah. And that, that's one of the messages that uh, I really took away from your work is empathy for other people. And Joe, you're a gentleman, sir. Thank you very much. You're very kind, Adam. A, a pleasure to finally meet you. Yeah. It really is. And if you ever need anything, you're an exquisite individual, and I'm happy to help you any old time. Oh, thank you, brother. It's very kind of you. Be well and be All happy. Right. Cheers, mate. Take care. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you are one of the six guys who are starting the behavioral science unit at the FBI. And Navarro's he's studying twitching. I don't know what he's doing. Man. He's got five other guys with him. <laughs> this could cause you a little anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. They also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, and pet products. Anything you need that's got CBD in it, they got it. And you can get 20% off. How can I do that, Adam? Just use the coupon code ADAM. 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. My name is Joe Navarro, and that is 30 Minutes I Will Never Get Back. He was a fascinating guy, and I really liked him a great deal. That was wild. With the blind kids yeah. that learn behavior, I, yeah. I still don't understand how that. You think that's, that's something you see, but it's, you know, you learn that stuff. But no, it's like this innate thing that's just sort of passed down, as he said, hardwired to your genes. Exactly. That's why I wanted the monkey shit to be true. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's yes. wild, though. Yeah, it's an instinct, man. I'm, I'll tell you something right now. I just want to hire the guy to hang out with me when I hang out with you, Adam, so I can just tell when you're fucking with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Phil has trouble picking up on that behavior. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to yeah. start looking for the signs now, but if he was with me, hey, mm -hmm. Phil, here's a buddy iPhone coupon. <laughs> Joe, what do you think? Nah, he's fucking with you. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Phil, Phil needs an FBI agent to tell him what I got. No. I can communicate with seals. That he considers. <laughs> but if I would have crinkled my space between my eyes and said that, he'd be like, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Adam, after listening to that interview, mm -hmm. just Botox your whole body. Yeah, that's it's, what I came away with, too. Don't, don't even try. Yeah, you can't. You just need a face. Like, just freeze your face. Because you have this, uh, you have, like, caveman tells. It's very apparent. What? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And you know those towels, guys, you know, usually revolves around food, money, or sleep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not necessarily sense. in that order. Yeah. And, and it, but it's it. one common cause. Not enough of any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. You know, when he said synchronicity is harmony, mm -hmm. you don't have that. I know I do. <laughs> no, no. I do. No. If I, if I agree with something and I get along with it, I, I'll sing the same song. But if I don't, I'm going to yell. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna crinkle my eyes, purse my lips, or clutch my pearls. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna friggin' yell. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Have a sweet potato. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, a fascinating guy. Eight years old. He comes to the United States. He doesn't speak the language. He starts observing body language just to survive, and that became his life's work. I thought that was great. And he got the Bay of Pigs joke. Thank God, because I. <laughs> right off the bat, the interview could have gone bad, but he got it. Yeah. And he had perfect that... enunciation. Yeah. Of everything. Yeah. I was like, wow. Second language, he speaks better than me. I need this shit in my life. <laughs> but that had to help him out. You're like, it's you're like, I can't communicate with these people. So all I can do is observe. Mm -hmm. And what a I mean, what a precocious kid to sort of be like on that early and just be picking up on how people were reacting and sort of to take mental stock of that and then to build that for his life. And then even go to the FBI and be yeah. like, hey, yeah, we need to do this. And they're yeah, like, what, yeah, are you, yeah, yeah. what are you talking about, Joe, you moron? We got to investigate <laughs> these fibers. He's like, it's all about behavior. That's all him. Yeah. And he sold it to the FBI. See, I don't think that's something that you that you teach yourself, though. I think that's just an inherent ability to the guy. I think you just got a natural gift for that. Don't you think? Is it something you can teach yourself? I think it's a, like a sense, like some people have an extra sense. Mm -hmm. Or right. just an extra focus, either they're raised with the, the, you know, parents who do that, or it's just something like a musical ear. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that uh, you either have it or you don't, or you can expand it. 
Yeah, I think you be you could be trained to see it. You know, uh, you know, I know a lot of detectives uh, in New York. You know, my friend Jimmy, and you know, he he had that natural ability, but it was enhanced through his training. So yeah, I think it can be cultivated. But it's like anything else. I think I think you're absolutely right. You got to have the beginning Some instincts better, to do yeah. it. Yeah. And I did ask him that the, the interesting thing was there's no Pinocchio effect. There's no like indication of lying. It's an indication of psychological distress. I always thought that if you looked up and to the left, you're lying because you're looking for an answer. Mm-hmm. It's not. The body language is just an indication of psychological distress. And something about what you just said triggered uh, s- triggered that reaction in somebody else. So it could be they're hiding something or it could be there's an emotional there's an emotional connection to that, but it's a place to mind. So I thought that was interesting. I'm just saying, Adam, Botox your whole body. That's right. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to Botox between the eyes because that's when you crinkle that that area between the eyes. The lips, when the lips disappear, when you purse the lips, and when you you protect your throat because we're all going to be eaten by lions. Yeah, and can I just point that out? Okay, mm-hmm. this anti cat, you know stance that everybody seems to have why is it cats that were attacking people okay mm-hmm. i'm tired of this why wasn't it a dog or a jackal or a you know i don't know an alligator it's okay. this anti-feline mm-hmm. stance that people i get have. it i get it mark is lives with two cats mark is our cat lady <laughs> yeah. that's who mark is right, right now that people can't see it but he's he's doing the podcast in a house dress with a gin and tonic <laughs> and a beanbag ashtray as he smokes a bench and hinges and two curlers and two curlers Come over here, kitty. Come over here. <laughs> Don't listen to the Navarro guy. You are a beautiful creature. Uh, someone told me that if you die, mm. <laughs> cats or, or animals, takes longer for dogs, mm. will start eating you like with your eyes. Start with your eyes. Yeah. That's why you should always die with the door open so they can go out and get something to eat. <laughs> that was so disturbing. I didn't believe him. I looked it up and it's true. Okay. And who wrote that article, Alex? Lassie? Was it Benji? Who wrote it? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I don't ever want to read that article ever again. That article yeah, was written by, doc, by Dr. Watson, who wrote the Bullshit Monkey Effect article, too, so you can't believe it. Okay, you, you still have me. I, because of what I do, I see it, so I'm on the side that there is some truth to the monkey effect. No, there's, there's truth to communications with animals, but there's not mm-hmm. spontaneous truth over the subconscious is what was what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Which means you can still feed your birds. Now, were you, were you a good liar? Me? Like, as, now, and I'm, and I should, I should say this. I think when we're kids, we're mm. all, we lie a lot more than maybe we do when as an adult. Like I know, particularly in my teenage years, to loosely quote Chris Walken, I was a world champion liar. Really? Like that my whole world was built on that. See, I can't lie. I can bullshit Phil just for my own enjoyment. But, right. but I can't lie. Like, I'll never cheat on my wife. I'll never, morally, I won't do it. But God forbid, I, I couldn't keep the secret. I'd come home from the road. She'd be like, how was the road, baby? Sit down. Oh, God. <laughs> it was great. But I'm a terrible person. I can't <laughs> live with this. <laughs> I can't lie. That's why I was never asked to be a character witness on the stand because I, you know, was was he with you all night? That's what he said. You know, so I can't. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I had a, I had to actually lie on cue once when I was a kid because you know my father was all about not lying. If he, we were not allowed to lie, he would always preach that don't lie. But then we go to Disney World and we'd approach the ticket counter. He'd be like, "If anybody asks, you're only seven. You know what I mean? And I'd be like, <laughs> "Wait funny. a minute." Isn't that a, that's a lie. Well, it don't count. You're saving money. I forgot to tell you that. It doesn't, yeah. you're saving money, it don't count. It's okay to lie. With, Mickey's not Catholic, all right? You can, <laughs> you can yeah. lie to rodents so, and non-Catholics. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm in the line and I'm like, I have to lie that I'm seven. Mm. So I get to the ticket counter and I'm like, my daddy, <laughs> my daddy told me to stay. I'm only seven. Oh, <laughs> yeah. man. That was the longest It's a Small World ride for Phil. Yeah, right? <laughs> Not only did he have to listen to the song, but he had to listen to his father go, yep. what did I tell you? What did I tell you? How could you screw gonna... that up? That's <laughs> exactly what it was. You suck at lying. All right? You're terrible at this, and you're paying me the difference. You're going to get a job. <laughs> that was my dad. But I the... guess, okay. So I guess I'm the, only, I'm the only real liar here. Liar. Yeah, I mean, but I but to your point, Alex, there came a time in my life when I said, yeah, I don't want to be this way anymore. Like, I, I don't like weaving these stories. I don't like trying to keep it all straight in my head. And I don't like most importantly, I don't like how I feel about this. So yeah. now I'm like honest to a fault. I just don't like I just don't like bearing false witness anymore. 
he's got to go biblical as fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, I'm I don't trying, have enough Bob. guilt in my life. Oh, I need man. him quoting the Bible on the podcast. I... <laughs> well, I will tell you this. I, I, uh, I think part of the anxiety and people are on edge so much is because of the masks, because you can't see the full face, you know? So our, our, the, our body language, our communication, the signals we're putting out is limited and the, and the feedback we're getting back is limited. Yeah, honey. Well, I, I myself don't like looking at people with masks. Oh, she still, hates it. We go out and she's just like, everyone <laughs> like, looks like a hostage. They do. They, they look like a hostage to me. But then if you're like a robber, mm-hmm. it kind of works in your favor. <laughs> No, that's right. This disconnect. It's just been so tough on so many levels for mm-hmm. this last, you know, year and a half with you can't really connect with people. And I'm a big smiler. I love smiling to people. Mm-hmm. And now they can kind of see your eyes smile, yeah. but you could just be yawning like they don't know. And I love being outside a lot where I'm not wearing my mask as much. And and I, you know, now people can be like, oh, that's the creepy smiling guy. Yeah. But at least they're sort of friendly. They're like, oh, yeah. You know, they smile back. They might walk a little faster when they get past me. But, you know, I love that connection with people. And I just we miss that with the mask. Mark, you were one of the positive guys I've ever met. We walk together. He smiles. People smile back. And sometimes you hear mothers say, don't stare at the man. It's not polite. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's over smiling. Because he's just like, they don't know if he's had a stroke or he's got gas. <laughs> but you just hear him saying, Creepy there, smart. but for the grace of God, go you, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, not, it's nice to see that empathy being taught out there. Because, like Joe said, without empathy, you're an asshole. And I, I, I think that, you said that. I, well, he said that's the technical term, Adam. So I was validated. Yeah. Okay. That's an FBI term. Yeah, it was an FBI term. Thank you, Phil. You got and I had such a good time talking to Joe. I can't thank Joe Navarro enough uh, for being my guest on the show. Please check him out on social media and look at his TED Talks. And he's on Wired and Psychology today. He's a fascinating, fascinating. guy. Yeah, yeah. Follow this guy. He's really good. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrar at Gmail. The show's growing and it's all because of you. Please tell somebody you love about the show. That helps us out. And if you get a chance to leave us a review, you know that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And remember, life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. The monkeys that were too old to adopt the behavior never did. Those monkeys are usually found wearing a bathrobe and answer to the name Phil. Oh, come on. (laughs) He is not old. Phil the angry monkey just likes his sweet potato with sand. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.